This podcast is brought to you by listeners on Patreon. Thanks to Todd for joining, and Hedwig for being consistently awful. Hello, and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Back from the void of coronavirus... Um, and today's probably bad RPG idea is make everyone switch character sheets just before the first session that was submitted by Roundabout Now on Tumblr. Oh, I enjoy this because my immediate thought was just the chaos. Like, uh, if you feel that people just don't have enough stress at the moment, then this is the ideal RPG idea to resolve that. Let's. But my thinking is, people tend to play the same kind of character. Like people yeah. tend to be like the grown-up or the healer or the completely feral one. So just kind of making them suddenly switch characterization unexpectedly could be quite interesting. Yeah, I feel. I feel it's one of the ones where, like, yeah, you have to know your group. But like, I do like just. Boom, suddenly you're a wizard. You don't know what any of your spells do, but you are now a powerful sorcerer. I also do like it with... I actually really like the idea of, like... So you have X character who has a dark secret of some kind. Um, and then they're being played by a different player who doesn't know what the dark secret is and has to figure it out based on the characterization so far. <laughs> you have to, like figure out what you're... And eventually it goes around enough people, no one remembers what the original Dark Secret was, rather than the secret all the various players who have had that character have done. Okay, so you're suggesting not just switching before the first session, you're suggesting rotating characters. Yeah, every session you play a different character. That might work, actually, as a, as a game. I like, feel like that must be a thing. I'm... It must be like I can't think of any games like that, but like you could do it in the same way that like you know characters like Superman and Batman they're sort of made in different ways and thus sometimes they're all dark and edgy and sometimes they're running around going bath pow and saying puns and so forth, and it's different takes on this character. There is a cat in the room with me. It is different. Yeah, I can takes. hear him. <laughs> it's different takes on this one core character, like but just really quickly, because there's one each session. Do you, do you want to You could end up with such inconsistent characterization. It's like exquisite corpse, but with mm. personality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's probably, an, um, there's probably a market for that. I'm sorry, I keep getting distracted by the fact there's a cat nearby. <laughs> it is very adamant that I not use my laptop for anything but cat... Um, seats. I apologise to our listeners who cannot see the cat. Yeah, I was just thinking as well, like, because a lot of people like to make D&D characters who don't know something about their past. Mm. The fact that with, with this switching sheets, you could make a character and you know the thing about their past, but that character's player doesn't know. Mm. Like, could be 
I think quite interesting. It's almost like double blind D and D. The GM doesn't know, and the player doesn't know, but one other player sat around a corner, glaring at everyone for getting it wrong. Knows. Yeah, like I think, like yeah, you could also do it like if you want a slightly more in-universe explanation. Like, there's always the sort of body swap episode every speculative fiction show has to have, where people swap bodies and that kind of thing. Mm. So you could always do it for that. Like everyone gets hit by a mind swap laser, and now boom, you're playing Steve's Paladin, and you have a code. Actually, that's the point. If you're now playing Steve's <laughs> Paladin and you fall. Does that just, like, stick when Steve gets his paladin back? I don't know why all paladin players are called Steve. It It's just a very, like, youth pastory name. Mm-hmm. Steve is here to tell you the true natural 20, which is Jesus. I feel like it would stick. Hmm. Just because it would have to. Yeah. I like the idea of, like, you're all playing, like, formless spirits and you're just jumping into different bodies. So everyone just randomly swaps their character sheets around. That could be quite an interesting premise, though. Like, Yeah. Like, there's, um, there's a Flash game I used to play a lot when I was a kid where basically you're a ghost and you go around inhabiting different bodies in this hotel to try and solve your own murder. Yeah, that does sound like a neat concept. But yeah, if you do... if you, I like the idea of, like, everyone designs a character for the session. And then you randomly decide who has each body, because you're ghosts and you're jumping into different bodies. So yeah, you're designing... It's almost like the veil of ignorance for RPGs. You're designing a character, but you don't know which character you will be playing. Mm. And if there's one thing that RPGs need more of, it's Rawlsian political philosophy. <laughs> I mean, you say that as though you, the originator of one of the most popular D&D blogs, <laughs> are not someone with a master's in philosophy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I feel all all um, RPGs need a more Rawlsian philosophy, but when people try and like, when I try and put it in, people generally leave and throw things. Well, that's because they're cowards. <laughs> you know, historically, like, things like fantasy and sci-fi have been very philosophical. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, especially we're just bringing for... it back to the origins of the genre. I mean, look at Frankenstein. Yeah. Like, especially if you're doing body jumping, there is a lot of philosophy there. But yeah, so there we go. What you need to do is set your players, like, a reading list of famous philosophical works, and if they can't, like, provide a synopsis at the start of the session, they get their character sheet swapped with each other. What happens if a character dies? Hmm. So it would have to be... So if it was, hmm. so it'd either be that soul dies and then another person, another soul comes in, but that's possibly not the best idea. Hello, Gareth, do you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> uh, I think that's a yes. Uh, the cat's suggestion is meow. Um, I apologise to our <laughs> listeners for the presence of a cat. 
I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to remove this. He is the gobbiest cat I've ever known. Right, so back to this humans only, um, probably bad <laughs> RPG idea podcast. Racist. So, yeah, what happens if you die? Um, yeah, I think possibly it's just, hmm. Because, yeah, the option of you're out for the session, but you come back next session is boring for you. Well, there's also um, the question of who makes your new body in that case, yeah. I think. Yeah, it might, it might, you might, if you are going to actually do this, just need um, some backup bodies lying around. <laughs> what you could do, if you're doing with ghosts and coming back from the dead, is you just have like the character sheets of uh, old characters from campaigns in the past, and if you die, you pull out one of those, and they happen to be here for some reason. Or you become a meta-ghost. Or you become a meta-ghost. That is also possible. This, we're building an elaborate shared universe of probably bad RPG ideas. This is where meta-ghosts come from. So before we get too self-referential, shall we move on to questions? Yes. So. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash probablybadrpgideas. Rewards include access to the Discord server, which includes watch-alongs of bad fantasy and sci-fi films, homebrew content, and bonus episodes. Our first question comes from Goat Lama Alpaca. Hey, so aside from your purposely bad ideas, I know you're an amazing GM. Any tips for how to come up with good plots? I always seem to get a good setting and then miss the mark on the plot. So the first thing I, I just, I'm curious about is which one of us has DM'd for this person? <laughs> Yeah. Because I know um, this isn't the Tumblr of anyone in our shared group. I, I, I assume it's someone... Or maybe they've just listened to the bonus episodes. I assume it's someone who's watching our RPG sessions through a series of hidden cameras. So thank you to CIA for appreciating our RPG skills. Hey, be fair, we're British, it might be GCHQ. True. But yeah, how I come up with plots is generally... I don't if that makes sense like i have a general idea of um who the main antagonist is and what they're doing and what things the players might stumble on but given that the players won't follow will inevitably do something i don't expect them to do like you know that's just the nature of D&D or any rpg Generally, instead of coming with a plot in the same way you would with a book, I just come up with, like, here's the villain, here's what they're trying to do, here's what they'll react to various things with, and just try and wing it like that. See, I feel like this isn't the answer that you're looking for, but I go even further into the winging it category, where... 
I definitely have a basic idea of where I wanted to end up when the players have leveled up quite a lot. But in terms of sort of session to session plot, I tend to go much more into sort of character backstories and motivations and basically give them different arcs based on on those things. And then each one just sort of drop in some stuff that will event that will come back in in the the sort of finale. Hmm. So I'm sorry we kind of didn't answer your question. If you want an actual plot, my advice just rip off a Shakespeare play, I don't know. Just it's up just do it's all ado about nothing. Yeah, I think the problem is, unless your players are very much, like, they'll just go along following the plot hooks. Yeah. Like, making an elaborate plot, or even just using a pre-written plot, isn't going to go great, honestly. Like, Like, the issue is, even if your players are trying their best to follow along the plot hooks, they're not going, like, you don't, they're they're going to do something you don't expect, just because, you know... You're not psychic. Especially um, if you do have a cool setting that they're going to want to explore, which yeah. is a compliment to you as a DM that you've made yeah. this cool setting. Yeah. Like, I think... Yeah, I think the way I've generally thought of it is think of D&D more as, more as improv. Like, it's not so much a case of, here's what's going to happen. It's a case of, okay, so here's what you're thinking of happening and and so forth. I saw a thing. I saw a thing online about a GM who forced their players to act out the first campaign of Critical Role word for word and punish their players, their characters, if they didn't, um, you know, if they changed the words or actions. That's not playing. That's someone's <laughs> kink. Yeah, apparently they were trying to get into the um, uh, real play podcast um, business. And decided that given Critical War was successful, the best way to do it was just to literally be Critical Role. So, as long as you don't do that, <laughs> do the opposite of that and you should be okay. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That that was, yeah, that was, I was on, yeah, RPG Horror Stories. And I think that is the worst one I've heard ever. And, yeah, so there you go. If you ever feel like you're reaching the point where you're sitting down and forcing your characters to read out a transcript of Critical Role, then, like, maybe, then, yeah, don't do that. But, yeah, the best way to do a plot is not to, is, like, not to do a plot. I'm sorry, it's not the answer you were probably expecting. A tabletop plot is not a completed painting. It's it's a rough sketch. Yeah. Or even just a vague idea of, like, I like sunflowers, and then just go from there. Yeah. Not literally, I like sunflowers. That was a terrible attempt at extending the metaphor. (laughs) I I got it. Um, okay, our next question is anonymous, um, and the, they want to know 
How would someone translate Evangelion into a tabletop it shouldn't be translated into? So, so neither of us has seen Evangelion. <laughs> like, the extent of my knowledge of Evangelion is it's post-apocalyptic and there are angels and everyone is sad. And I think there's Mecha. And that's it. I know it's got something to do with the guy that made it saw something really cool and deep and basically took the aesthetic and hung it on some weird, vaguely appropriative um, theology. So by that logic, you play a World of Darkness game, but all of the monsters are from closed cultures. Hmm. I think, I mean, I think it was based on Christian theology, mostly. Mostly, but there is some, um, like, Shinto and Jewish stuff in there as well. And it's all just kind of mixed up in a big, in a big bowl with, I don't even know, it's, it sounds so bad. Like, I don't know anything about Neon, as mentioned. So I feel the best way, so like I said, the one thing I know is in Neon event, and in the show which I am too Just call it Evangelion. The one thing I know is the Evangelion is big angels who destroy things. So, you just take one of those, slice of life, um, a bunch of teenagers are having a good time, monster hearts or something, where it's, you know, all sexy vampires, and then, boom, giant angel destroys the school. You take golden, golden sky stories, where it's a bunch of friendly animals helping people, and boom, giant angel destroys the village. Whatever show, just take your smaller stakes uh, episode. Smaller stakes games, a boom, Angel destroys everything. I apologise, I do not know anything more about the show other than there are angels in it. I don't even know if they're actual angels. I just know the word angels is involved. So Ask Jolly Roger wants to know... (laughs) I currently play a druid, but I have terrible luck when it comes to rolling anything to do with animals. They get an idea of how to be more useful as a druid without rolling dice. So, assume this is fifth edition. I I, th- I think that's a fair assumption. Yes, yeah, shapeshift into a small animal, climb inside people, and then shapeshift back. It worked for my my sorcerer. See, my my serious suggestion isn't that far off. Hmm. If you go with a Circle of the Moon Druid, you can basically just wild shape all the time. And then you don't need to interact with the animals because you are the animals. Yeah, like you can get a lot of useful things from being just various different animals. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I had one Druid character who, like, she very rarely did anything useful in human form, but she would, like, turn into a spider to go and spy on people, or, like, turn into a cat to infiltrate an enemy camp. Yeah, and so, like, yeah. This did not require any rolling. Yeah, you could do, I guess, a similar thing with, like, naturey spells, which don't always require that much rolling. You could be like, now there's mm. trees here, or now I've, like created a place for us to shelter. 
So yeah, well, there's stuff he... like like tree stride and things like that. Yeah. Ultimately, have a gun. Say again. Ultimately, have a gun. That just is indeed to... an alternative suggestion. Your druid just owns a machine gun. Considering the... that traditionally druids do not wear metal armor because it's it not... makes them less close to nature. It's a wooden machine gun. It's a wooden machine gun, of yes. course. It... Would, yeah. would that not catch fire with the whole gunpowder explosion thing? Uh, no, uh, it doesn't. Um... <laughs> because magic. Yeah, like... Wooden machine gun, wooden tank. Just make a character who's really good at crafting implausibly advanced technology out of them. They fly in in their wooden um, TIE fighter and start shooting people. So maybe like a multi-class druid artificer? Yeah. Like, you know, there's things... Like so, you like can't. Also, have you considered that you just have bad dice? Put your like dice. if you're rolling badly so much that it's an issue. Put your dice in the punishment cube until they agree to start playing ball. What you do, or, or on a slightly more metagamey level, just put put everything into charisma, like mm. your highest roll every time you get an a chance to increase um, your stats, just put it all in, into charisma so that you'll be not charisma, mm. wisdom getting my classes mixed up so you'll just be have a ridiculous bonus to everything that you try and do mm. or like just if it is enough of a problem when you roll badly just cry until the GM agrees to let you succeed just this way Like, if it's enough that, like, you're always rolling badly, just, you know, break down sobbing until people cut you a break and give you give you a natural 20. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah. I mean, it worked when, Meg- when Megabus fucked up. They... Uh, yeah, basically, they... The coach left without telling anyone that they were there. Oh. And they ended up crying so much that they gave us a free seat on a different coach. <laughs> like, we still got where we were going, but we did not take yeah. Megabus home. This episode sponsored by National Express. <laughs> I feel that is all the questions we have. Yeah, so... I don't know why I feel. It is all the questions we have. <laughs> like, that's an so objective fact. If, if you have a question, you can send it to us on Tumblr or by emailing probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash probablybadrpgideas um, or just by leaving us a rating or a review. And you can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr or Facebook. And remember to have a probably bad day. And remember to have a probably bad day. I think that went well. <laughs>